Welcome everyone to this one time at OU, and this week we're going to talk about uh, one of Ohio University's most prolific instructors. As we mentioned early on in this podcast, part of the podcast is what we like about OU and what why OU really becomes a part of you. And, and from my experience and, and talking to others, the professor we're going to speak about really embrace both those. Um, after doing some research, one of the probably the best things I remember in my research was that someone described his lecturing and his work as art as an action. I think that was very fitting. Also that he was someone that you learn from years later. And that takes a certain quality to to do and, and to teach. So uh, you can probably guess who I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, Ethelred Eldridge, who was an art professor from 1957 to 2014. Um, I remember his classes really as a performance art. His uh, finals being very unique from, you know, bring, drawing on paper plates to filling gloves with dirt and nailing them into the grass to drawing pictures of a rabbit and hare and doing the same, but, but, but unique. And it really made you think. Uh, and then uh, also I had talked to him outside of class. I remember asking him questions, super brilliant guy. Um, and just, he always took, took time and I don't know, I don't, he probably wouldn't recognize me, but, uh, just seemed a super guy in his classes. I took three classes from him and just one of my favorite experiences at OU and particularly, you know, the murals he did outside the, uh, uh, is that Siegfried Hall? Uh, just fantastic. So uh, all good memories and all great things. And we're uh, honored today to have one of his many children. In fact, he has nine children. Uh, with us today, we have Carla K. Eldridge, and she's from uh, the first generation of, of, of children. Is that correct, Carla? And welcome aboard. Hi. Yes, that is correct. The first six brood of children. And um um, he moved that family to Athens in 1957 to start his teaching of, what was it, and over 50 years, right? Um, yeah, and that in itself is fantastic. Yeah, he was one of the longest teaching professors at campus. And when he came to the art department, they were just starting the art department. So they brought in a whole bunch of new artists that year, that year and the following year. And it was... Um, headed by um, Mr. Leach, I'm gonna think of its first name in a minute. And all of these all of these art families, the McCarthy's and the Leaches and the Hostetlers and the Eldridge's and a few others, including uh, the Lynn's, Maya Lynn, you all know her. They all, except most of them had five to six to seven to eight children in that year, in those times. Um, late 50s, early 60s, when the art department was starting. Yeah, did, very... did you know uh, Donald Roberts? I worked for him for my hmm. tenure at OU. I don't know. Was it? He was, he's a lithographer. Him and his wife lived off of From Road, I remember. I'm not sure because yeah. um, we okay. got very tight-knit with that original cast, I call it, of the art department when they mm. were creating it. Um, and when you started it, right? And that's... Mm -hmm. They started it. And they... Um, I don't know that I kept in touch after a certain time when I grew up and moved out 
but anyway, yeah, they he moved there in '57 with four or five kids in tow and had a couple more in Athens and an idyllic upbringing, if you can imagine. Uh. You back in the early '60s when you could walk the streets, walk the town, and ride your bikes all over town. It was great. And he uh. was um, doing a, his early style of art back then. So I grew up in a house with all of his paintings on the walls. Really creative, even even when he just got there, as was everybody there. It was a great art time in that town. Hi, Carla. This is Roz. Thanks for joining us today. I wonder, did you live in, uh, you lived in town, not in the country in Athens? Right. Initially, almost all the families lived in town, um, down in now what is considered rental areas. But at that time, were great uh, family neighborhoods down on um, Morris Avenue. And you know, there were two or three art families down there at May Avenue. In fact, I was just there yesterday in Athens, as a matter of fact. Uh, yes, I have days. a son in Athens right now, and I love Athens. I go back as often as I can. And mm -hmm. when he was there for orientation, I made sure to show him the art wall. Oh, and good. And uh, yeah. show them how cool it is. That's definitely one of the classic, iconic places for mm -hmm. OU, even for students today. Yeah, it is really um, eye-opening to me as I've traveled. I've been lucky enough to travel a lot throughout the United States. And if I go to the grocery store in my OU t-shirt in California or New Mexico or Georgia or Florida or anywhere, someone will come up. You know, hi, I went to OU, my sister went to OU, so I know someone. And um, then I say to them, this is classic, I say, mm -hmm. did you take an art class? Yeah. <laughs> did you have Did you have Professor Eldridge? Yeah. And then they, I go, well, that's my dad. And their eyes just pop open. Like, I don't know if they thought he didn't have children or if they're just like, that's your dad, like felt sorry for me because he was a little, little out there. I don't know. There's always this stunned look on their face like, oh, he, he has kids. Um, but it, it also then that conversation immediately turns into a long talk with whoever I run into about how that um, art class or he affected their life. And that is the most fulfilling part. Yeah, That's and it's, so it's cool. did you probably didn't realize that as a child and what was going exactly. on? Exactly. Yeah. So someone comes up to you and they're a um, triple business major, and this did happen, and they say that of everything they learned at OU, the one thing they remember the most was this art class, and whatever they gleaned from that, which is of course varies by person and by class, but whatever they got from that is what they tell me they remember the most from OU. So I'm like, okay, he got his mission accomplished. He affected lives. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it, what that means to that person is is such an individual thing. But I think everyone would agree it. He taught us to just think beyond the norm. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. if that's the way that there is. Uh, you know, life isn't all cookie cutter. And who's to say mm -hmm. you can't do this? Mm -hmm. and, right when right when your minds are ready to hear that. Right. A great time for that. And that was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I um, asked, I, I told you I worked for the art professor, uh, Don Roberts, and he was the head of the art department. He, he said that kind of tenured folks just kind of took turns being the head of the art department. And mm -hmm. I said, 
you know, I told him the class about him yelling at the student. He's like, oh, you know, that's so what really? And he was like, he's just part of an institution. And they're like, yeah, he's, uh, he's just great. So he was a huge fan as well. And that, that's, that's important coming from a peer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he took a while to get that, um, peer respect because he didn't draw inside the lines administratively either and do the things he, most professors would do to, well, he, they got tenure pretty easily back then, but oh, all that paperwork stuff that you're supposed to do when you're a professor. He sort of probably broke some of those rules. And um, he had respect among his peers of his age, but I'm not sure that the next generation, again, maybe took a while for them to know him the same way. And that probably came in cycles too with maybe the times, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and very much um, the things that young kids like about him, and by young, I mean the student, um, may not rub his fellow peers who are having to turn in reports same way. <laughs> That's what we thought. So yeah, he didn't like any of those uh, rules of things they had to do all the time. But, now you mentioned art in your home growing up. Was mm -hmm. his art, um, what I know is a lot of black and white. I remember his office being all oh. black and white. Was it was was what you see on the on the art wall typical of his career, or no, did it progress to that? Not at all. It's a totally different style. Um, there are some copies of it out there, but it's um, totally well. First of all, it's very colorful and not at all black and white. Very intricate, very detailed. I still look at some of the prints that I have and wonder how he did them. Um, he made a whole series of about twenty prints that were around 16 by 25 all in a row, I think back in the early 60s, 67, 68. And I can't even figure out now how he did them because he did them, because your hand would have to be so steady and it was so intricate. Not at all these big, bold um, black and white things and um, very flowy, very Blakey. And I, he literally used a double pen, double pointed pen throughout the pictures. So just, I don't know, just look at them. So I have some of those prints that I made copies of because then like a typical artist, he destroyed 98% of them when he looked at them in one day and didn't like them. And I was oh, like, can terrible. I have three of them before they are destroyed, please? I'm glad okay. you saved them. Yes, yes. me too. Those are beautiful. But you that, prints and, and you should make prints and get them out to people. No, I, have, I, I did. He allowed me to make prints. And I have some, um, have about 70 to 80 of each of the three different types of the prints remaining. Uh, I have been, right, usually in the last few years, I've been donating them to charity silent auctions in Columbus. So if someone's having an auction, I'll donate them and use the proceeds for that. Or we sell some of them and then use the proceeds for his grandchildren's college. So I, I'm going to have to get a Facebook page up or something like that. Well, can I put your information on our, our, our on our website so if people want to contact sure, you about those? Sure, sure. Okay, great. They can we'll do, do it through my band page. I can I can take stuff through that. Well, so that would be great. Now, I know that you're an accomplished musician. <laughs> did, did you or any of uh, your siblings follow, follow in the art? Oh, have his art ability, his drawing and painting ability? Yes. I have a um, nephew, so my sister's son, um, who was on his way to his residency to be a doctor. His name is Adam. 
he can draw anything. He could draw, um, because he's going to be a doctor, he could draw the whole human body. Just sit down and do it in like an hour, all the details of it. He wow. got all that painting and drawing ability. Um, I think I've got his booming voice and his um, not being shy in front of people and his whistling ability, which he's very proud of. I got his whistle. Well, you also have his defying uh, age. Mm. Because I'm looking at your Facebook page, I thought that you were younger than me, and it turns okay. out you're, you're not. <laughs> it turns a, out I was there in the early 60s, yes. Yeah, so, we're not uh, sharing that exact date, okay? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I was born in 67, and uh, okay. you look younger than I. Well, um, I'm trying to be a rock star this year, so we're not going to talk about the age thing. <laughs> gotcha, exactly. Now, I, and just, just reading about him, he lived out in the country, so did, mm-hmm. you, did you live in town, and then... And the whole William Blake obsession, it almost seemed like that was just a period of his life. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of his focus on that, was that all along? Um, I think that that started, um, it, st- it did start when he was in college, and but he ch- changed how he thought about it. It became more about Blake's writing than about his art. So I have you have some... to explain this William Blake okay. thing. I don't understand. And oh well, I can give you what he told me back when I was in high school and said, "Explain it to me." Um, and because his was remarried at that time, and his wife at that time, who was an, also an artist, he and um, that wife Alex had a church of William Blake. And so, to put it very succinctly, if there were prophets prior to Jesus or around Jesus's time then why wouldn't there be prophets afterwards? I mean, who's to say there were only prophets at one point in history? So the, his Blake, William Blake, I don't want to call it obsession, um, his William Blake era. Interest. Interest, thank you, um, <laughs> was based on that. To, to preach his words the same way people preached the words of other prophets that you would say find in the Bible. Interesting. So the church was based on that, and they had a very active church in the 60s, and you know, the late 60s. The timing matters. The time in history of U.S. history matters. Right. And it had a following, and then there was a point in the 70s when um, the neighbors burned the church down. Um, So it sort of fizzled away. But he always was, according to his sons and his second family, he read Blake for years up late reading Blake. So I don't know that his obsession changed, his art changed and he quit painting similar things, but he never quit reading. Well, you have to evolve. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And that's what his art is so different. Um, So the very first mural he did at Siegfried, I was in elementary school and watched him paint that. And it's very intricate and nobody right now at OU can find a color version of a, a picture of that in the two uh, amazing colors that he painted it. They only are able to find a black and white version. So I'll do a call out, shout out to anybody from the um, 60s that might have taken a color photo of that first mural. Still trying to find it. Yeah, and if I'll, uh, I'll ask around as well. Okay. Maybe if there's, uh, you know, I think some of those art families might be the best shot. Yeah, we were trying that. Um, same thing with the inside of our house, which was painted in the same style all up and down everywhere. And it's just that the era where doing color film was special. 
believe it or not, those of you on your digital phone, <laughs> pictures of your food. Exactly. Um, it, was, it was a big deal to use up color films to take pictures. So we'll, we'll see if someone shows up with something. That must have been so wild to grow up in a house with all this art all over mm -hmm. the walls. Did you mm -hmm. like you know, it or? I liked it. I just now found out that my sisters didn't care for it. I thought it was normal. You know, I, I perfectly, and now I look at a picture on the wall and think it's strange to be so confined. <laughs> you know, when I go frame something, I'm like, oh, I hate to frame this. It should just be. Yeah, like the putting, putting the art art in jail, right? And yeah. Like, hey, this isn't right. No, this is this is wrong. <laughs> Where did we get that idea? So that didn't bother me, and I thought it was normal and neat and unique and all of that. Um, just you know, whatever you grow up with, you think is the norm, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Did and then he lived in the country later. Mm -hmm. I think I I never took any of his art classes. Unfortunately, I wish I had, but. Even just not being an art student, I still always heard stories about him, mm -hmm. and I saw him in town, and you just knew who he was. And I do believe I went to one of his parties when mm -hmm. I was older in the country. Would that oh. be possible? Is something did he sure. have big parties? Now would that be in the seventies? This would be late eighties. Oh, okay. Well, it, it definitely is possible. He had a third wife in the late eighties or early 90s um and yeah he would i mean he liked parties he had a beautiful place out there so we grew up um the art professors i was telling you about they all got together and bought this pond out in the country to share with their family so we'd all have some place to go mm -hmm. and it was called galganuza yes and, mm -hmm, and it was connected to land that he in the future when he got divorced he bought land contiguous to that so he could be near the lake um so it's all one big property at some point and so going out to that part of the country out past millfield um, was a normal trip for us when we were little swimming in the lake and jumping off the dock and all of that and, um so my memory is all these art professor guys out there and dad was very very strong when he was young he used to play football. I remember that too. He always like looked like he was in great shape. Mm -hmm. and then... Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, you know, they they were building stuff. So two or three guys would get together and they'd be lifting huge logs. And I thought that was normal too until I grew up and went, oh my God, I didn't believe they used to do that stuff. Right. Um, so he moved out to the country when he got divorced uh, to that contiguous land that he called Albion. And then um, in a shack that he then built up into being a bigger stuccoed building that he did with his own hands. So he had all those construction skills as well. And and really the perfect life, because he could go out there and be a hermit. And I relate to this part too, go and be alone a lot and then run into town and do his thing and be on stage and get that need out, you know, that art, that expression out, mm -hmm. and then go back to the introverted, um, life but I guess I absolutely can imagine him having parties out there I don't know that he would have organized them someone else would have instigated I think. Yeah, if you just walk through town and say hey stop by my house everyone you know there'd be two <laughs> people there before it happened now, what well, is, I was uh, pretty good at finding parties <laughs> okay so you so, did go to OU right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned Albion 
what's, mm-hmm. what's the reference to Albion for the listeners? Um, I hate to mangle this, but Albion is an English word that somehow relates to England. So, and his book, Albion Awake, was one of his first books, which is just telling people to wake up. Um, but it is an Anglo word. So now remember how he uses it and how the world uses it could be two different things, right? Mm-hmm. And I will also quote him and say, uh, art's in the eye of the beholder. So he, if you asked him that, if you sat down to talk to him and said, what's Albion mean? You would get the long diatribe of, you know, a lot of words. And then at the end, it would be, what do you think it means? So, but it is supposed to be a name for Great Britain. It's an alternate name for Great Britain that was around probably before Great Britain. But okay, who thanks. knows what he really meant, right? Yeah, but I I always thought too that it was like a, I don't know, like a a higher place. And I guess if you're from Great Britain, you probably think that. But I, I don't know. I always just thought it was more mythical. Well, it um so Mount Nebo was another place that he named out there, which is a higher mythical place, which is he was a related to where his land was, Mount Nebo. So um in that he may have called on it to be a a magical mythical place but basically i mean the, the root of the word is it's just used to be the name of great britain but you know he was very into the anglo thing by changing his name to ethelred at the time right ethelred the great right mm-hmm. yeah who was an english um king or prince or hmm. i know was... y'all have google and you'll look it up well i i did before uh <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think it was um like he traveled, uh, was a king, and I, I forget the whole story, sorry. But before I forget, you mentioned early on that um, he was, you, you got his whistling ability. <laughs> and I know you're a musician. Are those related? Well, okay, so the um, prior to his passing, I was out there a couple years ago, and I had been singing quite a bit in D.C. And in D.C. I was singing Great American Standards. And you know towards the end of life sometimes all people can remember is song they can remember every word of every song because lyrics don't seem to leave our brains in my right and so um he i went out to visit him and he was struggling trying to remember the words to a song that's really complicated song it's a two-part duet each person singing something different and i had just sung that in dc with my accompanist not two weeks earlier that was strange anyway and we sang it, and his voice was as strong as ever. It was just boom, and every note was perfect. And not that I noticed that growing up, but now that I'm, uh, you know, tr- struggling to do this band and sing, now after singing with him, I realized that was just another one of his features. And then the right. whistling, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that being in front of people, you know, remember all his classes were on stage. And you said you talked to him quite a bit after class, right? No, I just see him around, and he was like, yeah. I think he recognized it because I paid attention in class, and I could mm-hmm. just, but, you, know, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say maybe five times over four did years. Did you find so. him to be easier? Um, was he in a rush when you talked to him personally? Was he, um, did he seem more comfortable in front of a group of people than he did when you were talking to him one-on-one? Well, it was tough because I was nervous because I wasn't sure if he was going to yell at me or what was happening. And I think he was probably thinking, All right, what does this kid want? 
you, you know, so it was maybe some tension before it started, but it was, I mean, it always turned out well. And they weren't long conversations, to your point. I'd right. ask a question, he'd answer it, and have mm-hmm. a good day. Okay. That, that, that's, how, that's how it was. So. Yeah. But so I'm, I'm kind of relating to the, I'm basically an introvert who gets on stage and is a complete extrovert. And maybe that's also. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. I know you mentioned the large classes and what he hated more than anything was taking attendance. And he's always struggled mm-hmm. with like, how am I going to do this? He's like, oh, what a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Because basically you mentioned the rules. I think they, people said, hey, you have to see if your kids are in class. <laughs> and he's like, how are we going to do it? He got students to do it for a while. And then people were just checking off everywhere. Then he did it for a while. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is a nightmare. But he did use that. I know that at some point during that long career, he decided attendance was going to be the criteria. Because how else could, what other criteria can you come up with? And that was Roz's criteria. (laughs) Wasn't Roz like, buy the book or go to class? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because if you, if you, you can't really grade on art, right? So. Right. People tell stories about how he asked people what grade they wanted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And did they get that grade? Do you know? If they got it, whatever. Uh, Yes. Yep. Good. All A's. Remember that. Well, I know that when I've met people who who went to OU and they said they knew him, I do get uh, quite a few stories of some wonderful thing they remember but again the point is they remember that so in four years of going to school um i can't even remember all of my undergrad okay it was at five different colleges pieced together but still i don't remember all of it particularly um, ohio university those are some foggy years (laughs) (laughs) but my master's degree you know if i look back on my two-year master's degree at ou i don't i would probably be able to pick out one or two classes at one or two times, one or two moments. And so it is really nice when I talk to somebody and they say they had him and they can recount like you, you two can some episode, something that happened that's still in their memory, something they made, something silly they made, but they still remember. Right. Right. And that well, and I think when you see those people and you tell them, Hey, this is my daughter. They just, probably light up to your point and it just probably it's got to be a little heartwarming that that difference still matters to people mm-hmm. and, and they can still so maybe they'll go home and uh do something a little bit different or be a little more creative or not follow the rules that don't matter mm-hmm. um, so i think uh hopefully that legacy lives on and it, it's great that uh, it, it does and i know that in the little bit of research i did the same stories you know you wear something oh you or you wear a shirt with his art on it everyone mm-hmm. somewhere someone's gonna say something yeah, and that's that's supposed to be why you're teaching, you know, exactly. to have some effect. So, and then to put some art out there, whatever your art is, you know, that's what he would say. Whatever your art is, whatever your effect is, right? Yeah, that that's good stuff, and I appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, one thing before I ask if you have any final statements or, or things you want to share, tell us about your band because oh. he was he was so. Uh, uh, you know, so talented. I'm sure you are as well. <laughs> no, but I'm letting my art out anyway. So um, I did know that I was told, don't be a singer when you grow up. You'll never make any money. So I went off and made money. And now I can be a singer. That's how that works in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> my band name is Victorious K-Birds. 
The K birds, um, it's for two things. K is my middle name and birds because my mother also just recently passed. She was a bird fanatic. So we have the K birds in there. And victorious K birds because victorious means it's got some energy. Um, you know, I think anybody that's made it past a certain age is victorious. That's what I think. So however far we get in life, that each day is a victory. I did tell this to dad and when I was thinking of the names and we were talking about it years ago. Yes. We gave yes, victory. it's been less than a year since he passed. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this band's only been together just now a year. Um, so and we are in Columbus, Ohio. We are taking off. I am so blessed to um, flying out is what I call it. We are flying out. I am so lucky because there are so many great musicians up here. And I have, I'm looking at a picture now. I have a 17 year old prodigy saxophonist and a 72 year old saxophonist. So I have the whole wow. generations in there. And I just, there's so much talent and I'm just, I feel um, honored that they want to be in this band and play with me. Um, we do soul and blues and rock. And we are, we just came back from doing a show in Athens at Casa. Everyone yeah, Casa. I heard all the great, great reviews from that show. Yeah, I'm really pleased because the place was full of musicians, which can make you nervous. And um, we're trying to get another show down there in August. So we'll be back. And OU is thinking, I heard that OU Art Department was going to do another memorial for Ethelred. And they were going to have it when the students came back. And I asked them, please, if they do that, we'd like to have a night before dance party where he would have come out to dance. Um, it did get frustrating, and I will do a little pitch for live music earlier. It's frustrating when you're of a certain age and all the music doesn't start till 10, and that's when you want to be in bed. So right. I'm always trying to do shows where people over 40 can come out. No, thank you, because yeah, like a band I want to see is like the third one on the bill. I'm like, oh, I'll never make it till 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just you. So I had started a hashtag of live music earlier and, and got a few gigs in Columbus doing that, and it was fun to do that. So that's all about my band, Soul Blues Rock, and all ages of musicians, and um, looks like we might make it another year. I'll let you know when we're in Athens. And then, oh yeah, and by the way, um, dad never had to worry about this because he had tenure, but on the music business, the only thing they want to see is how many Facebook likes do you have? And that's how they decide if you're good enough, which is... Well, we'll put your is, Facebook link on our website oh, and get, okay. it, get it out there. <laughs> And, and I'll, like I'll you on Facebook and I'll come down oh, to Athens to see you. That would be great. Like I said, thanks. I have a son down there now. So. Yeah, there's a reason to go down there. I don't even need a reason, but. <laughs> well, Roz, I don't know. Uh, Roz lives in Cleveland and I'm oh. from Springfield, Ohio, and I have okay. family in Columbus and Springfield still. Mm. We're just looking at a show up towards Cleveland. I'll let you know if we get it, Roz. All right, I'll follow you. Okay. It'd be fun to meet you in person. Mm. <laughs> I did get some of that energy. And I love yeah. live music and soul and yeah, you know, what rock, soul rock and rhythm and blues, R and B. Is that what you said? It's, yeah, soul blues and rock because oh, nobody perfect. wants to hear just one thing all night, right? Perfect. And start, <laughs> you start at four. No, right. <laughs> right after dinner at four thirty. Yeah. <laughs> it's early bird rock. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I should have named it, right? <laughs> Oh, well, it's still uh, something to do. And I think that's one of the points is you're doing something, you know, you're putting all that right. energy out I there. Mean, 
it's so important to do something creative mm-hmm. in your life and you can get so bogged down and paying mm-hmm. the bills and cleaning the house. And, and I, I just quit doing all those. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, like well, creative. I think that's what your father looking back with a smile yes. is like, you know what? He, uh, he wrote his own way and, and it worked yeah. out and had a great impact. And uh, yes. And, and, you know, in fairness, he had a lot of help of people doing all those other things. You know, he had the support of, he had the, um, Security of having tenure, which a lot of professors do not have anymore. Mm-hmm. He had the security of the help with the administrative people doing helping him, so he didn't have to do all that. And he just had that freedom, uh, or he gave himself that freedom. And I don't know which way is correct, but you give yourself that freedom to say, "This is what I need to do." And I hope that's what he was trying to teach people. Besides looking outside the box, is to just do something, have, have an action, right? Right. Art is an action. I, I love that. Art is an action. See, we're back to the beginning. <laughs> yes, super. And that's how he likes his conversations to go. End up back at the first word. Yeah, see what I mean? I yep. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like the, yeah, you follow? You follow? Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, great. I want to thank you so much for, for being mm-hmm. on the podcast. Uh, it's been a joy. And I do hope our, our paths cross. I'll make sure we get the information cool. out to you. Um, and again, Roz, always a pleasure. Nice to meet you, Rob. Nice to meet you, Carla. Mm-hmm.